gospel this year. The gospel in, in four letters. And, and last week we started off, we're doing just an introduction. If you weren't here last week, let me encourage you to be sure and go online and listen to that sermon. There, there's a lot I said there that you're going to hear a little bit today and then uh, more even as we go throughout the year. But last week we defined the gospel and, and here it is. It's on the screen for you. The gospel is the power of God to save us from the punishment and power of sin. So we have peace with God, peace within, and peace with others. And we talked about the uniqueness of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it's different than other gospels. And, and I shared with you my friend who had the gospel of football. He believed that, that football was the answer. It's where he found meaning and purpose and, and, and acceptance and relationships. There's only one problem though. There was a time when football ended. And when it ended, he thought his life ended. And, and he had to, to discover the, the true gospel. And here's something very important. We talked about this last week. I'm going to say it again, and, and, and I'm going to say it a lot. Everybody has a gospel. Everybody believes, remember the word gospel, the, the word itself, it's, it, it means good news. So everyone thinks they have something that's, that's, that's true and good that they're living on. But it may not be the gospel of Jesus Christ. And whatever gospel you're holding to is going to, it's going to determine everything about you. As a matter of fact, here's what we say. The gospel you believe determines the life that you live. I was very encouraged last week by the numbers of questions that that message produced. One uh, asked, how can I be sure I am being faithful to and living out the gospel of Jesus and not some other gospel? Several of you ask, how can I defend my heart and mind from false gospels? And then a few, uh, what will my life look like and feel like when I'm living the gospel of Jesus? And I want to let you know, this year we're going to be answering those questions and many others as we walk through these four letters. Um, and I, wanna, I want you to know that, that there is a, not only this truth that comes to these four letters, we're, we're also going to help you in some other ways. One way in particular we're, we're, gonna, we're offering a course right now that if you're a member, you need to take this if you haven't already. But if you, if you want to make sure that you really are getting the gospel, if you really want to make sure you're not being deceived and you're not getting hit by a false gospel, then we're offering a, a, a course that's called True North. And what this basically is, it's our statement of faith. It's what we believe as Christians here at Living Hope. And if you can get a handle on that, you will, you will be able to protect yourself and defend your mind against false gospels. Now, we're going to do the Rooted Experience, and we have some other great equipped courses as well. But, but I want to really highlight that and encourage that one for you. Because again, this is a battle. And you need to be equipped for this battle. Today, I want to equip you to answer that third question that, that was asked this week. What did the Bible say about what life looks like and feels like when I'm believing and living the gospel of Jesus? You know, when I was saved as a young person, it created a radical transformation in me. I began to feel things I never felt before. I felt concerned for other people. I felt guilty for the things that I said and did that were wrong. That was new to me. That, that's not something that was natural for me. It was very supernatural and it was, it was disturbing, but it did create a transformation. It changed me, changed my character, changed my identity, changed my life. 
And it's continued to do that. As a matter of fact, over the Christmas break, as I was reflecting on 2022, I was able to see places in my prayer journal where I could see my life being transformed even more into the image of Christ as we were talking through the kingdom of God and and what that means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And that's what happens when when you become a follower of Jesus Christ. When you're a Christian, your life is radically transformed and it continues to change until the day we meet the Lord Jesus. And so one of the things that was a bit surprising to me when I was a young person, I came to faith, is that there were others who were also coming to faith, but they didn't stick with it. There wasn't that change. And over the years, I I, I knew a lot of these folks. I, I saw many of them believing in false gospels, things that were not good news at all, but they were living their lives based on them. And sadly, um, some of those took their own life. Many of them have lost key relationships and and destroyed um, so much of of what is good in life because of their their belief in a false gospel, in a half-truth, in a lie. And and as the pastor here at Living Hope for over 21 years, I've seen people make public profession of saving faith in Jesus Christ and, and not continue in the faith. And instead, believe a false gospel and denounce the faith and, and, and go on to, to live for something that, that doesn't save, that, that doesn't bless, that doesn't give peace with God, peace within, and peace with others. And, and it's not my place, it's not my responsibility to judge someone's salvation. It's not any of ours. That's God's job. But it is our responsibility as Christians to know the gospel and to share it clearly to know that we've experienced it. That's why the three circles is so important. Knowing God's design, peace with God, peace within, peace with others. That all of us, we all messed it up with our own sin. And it created brokenness. Brokenness in our relationship with God, within, with others. But because of the gospel, because Jesus, God in flesh, entered our world, died for our sins, was raised on the third day, we now have forgiveness. He lives in us. He gives us a new identity. So we have peace with God, peace within, peace with others, which allows us to pursue and recover God's design, which is that harmony. And if you experience that, it's going to change your life. You cannot experience the gospel and stay the same. To experience the gospel is to be changed. And and what we want to look at today is the the change that happens. There's three characteristics that I want to point out to you today. And and to do that, we're we're going to, we're going to use the Apostle Paul. And there's two reasons for that. One, next Sunday when we start Galatians, and by the way, if, uh, if you, um, if you haven't already, uh, be sure and get your uh, Galatians Bible journal so you can take notes and that sort of thing. But next Sunday, when we get to Galatians chapter one, verse one, and it says, Paul, an apostle, you'll know who we're talking about. We're, we're going to study a little bit of his testimony today. Uh, secondly, is what we see in his testimony uh, are these three characteristics. We, we see a, a display. You know, some of you are, 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 are young parents and probably over uh, the, the Christmas time, uh, you got some, some toys that you had to put together. And, and probably if you're, if you're a dad and, and you're like me, uh, you, you basically didn't pay attention to the directions, right? You, you basically just, I, I can do this. But then, but then things started going crazy. And so you actually did two things. You probably looked at the directions and also began to look at the display, All right, it's a table with four legs. It should probably have four legs. Let's go find that fourth leg, all right? 
and, and, and a display helps us to kind of see not just what's commanded, but what it looks like. And so what we see in the testimony of Paul is a display. The, the, the scriptures tell us the commands, but a display is, is quite helpful. So let's go to Paul's testimony. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to be in verses 12 through 16. Mason's going to come read for us. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. Again, we're in 1 Timothy chapter 1. And the verses that Mason will read that we're going to exposit are verses 12 through 16. Mason, read that for us. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith of our... and. Love thy in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Christ Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. If you would be seated, thank you, Mason, and pray now for the preaching of God's word. So a little bit about 1 Timothy. This was written by the Apostle Paul to his protege, Timothy. Now, Timothy at this time was actually the pastor of the church at Ephesus. Uh, the Apostle Paul later wrote, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, a letter to the church. And so it's our book of Ephesians in your Bible, which we'll be studying this spring and summer. And what he was doing there is he was encouraging him. Uh, Timothy was a young man. He had a, a big responsibility. It was a large church. And, and so he was instructing him and reminding him uh, of the gospel and, and what happens when, when the gospel is preached. One of the significant themes, and I put this on the screen for you, uh, of Timothy is this. The gospel of Jesus leads to practical, visible change in the lives of those who believe it. And that's a very important point. It's, it's, it's significant that you know this and understand the gospel of Jesus leads to practical, visible change in the lives of those who believe it. See, the, the gospel is a covenant. It's a covenant. It's, it, it's, a, it's an agreement. It's, it's a binding of, of two. It's like marriage. Those of you who are married, you know, once you're married, your life has never been the same. Because once you're married, there's commitments to another person. There are responsibilities to another person. There are opportunities with another person. There are delights to enjoy with another person that, that were not there before that now change your life and they bless your life. And as wonderful a blessing as marriage is, it's nothing compared to the relationship that we have in the covenant of Jesus Christ. And so when we experience this, it changes our lives. It changes who we are. And what we want to look at today are three characteristics that, that will be a part uh, of a Christian's life, uh, of a person who is, note this, Christ-centered and gospel-powered. I want to speak to that for just a moment. We're, we're talking about a Christ-centered, gospel-powered life. It's Christ-centered. Uh, look at verse 12 and notice how many times the, the name Jesus or, or the title Lord or the pronoun he or him is there designating Jesus. It's five times. 
And, and if you look at the remainder of just those few, four, few texts, 11 times Jesus is directly mentioned. And, and here's the point. Paul's making it clear in his own story that his life is centered around Jesus Christ. His life isn't what it is because Paul was such a great guy, but, but because Jesus is such a great God. And he's making it clear that, that his life is Christ-centered, but it's gospel-powered. It's the power of the resurrection. It's the power of the love of God that died for us. It's the power of the hope of his soon returning. This is the power that fuels our life. So when we're talking about the gospel and the life that it produces, it's Christ-centered and gospel-powered. And there's three characteristics of that life. The first one to write down and remember is this. A Christ-centered, gospel-powered life is confidently humble confidently humble. Maybe odd for you to see those two words together, but they go together in Christ Jesus. Confidently humble. Notice what he says here. You know, he says, in Christ Jesus, our Lord, he says, he gives strength. Our strength as believers is not in us, it's in God. Jesus modeled us this for us. Think about, remember when Jesus was baptized? As soon as he was baptized, the Bible tells us that the spirit led him into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And what did Jesus do to prepare for that battle? He fasted for 40 days and nights. Why? Because he was strengthening himself for the battle. Some would think, oh, no, no, he weakened himself. No, no, he weakened his flesh. But he prepared his heart and mind through fasting dependence, not on his body, but, but upon the Father as the Son. And so it is with us. This is 2 Corinthians 12, 10. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And the strength that we have, we share with one another. Last week, we, we anointed several people uh, for healing. And one of those is a dear friend. And, and as, we were, as I had a, a anointed this, this friend, I asked two others who had gone through a similar experience as, as this one, to pray and to give testimony of how they had seen the, the strength of God in their circumstance, in their trial, how they had gone through this. And they did pray. And they, they prayed with a prayer of faith because they had been strengthened by God. We need each other. We need to, to show one another the strength of God, to give testimony to how God has been faithful to us and the strength that he has given to us in a difficult marriage, the strength he's given to us with difficult children, difficult job, difficult uh, uh, situation uh, with friends or family or relationships. But we, as Christ-centered, gospel-powered people, Christ strengthens us. We depend on him, but also we're encouraged by one another. And so Christ Jesus, our Lord, he, he gives strength. He also judges us faithful. Friends, until we are faithful to God, we're on our own. All the outcomes are in our hands until we're truly being faithful to God. I will confess to you, as a pastor and a parent, there are many times that I, I'm tempted to feel anxious. And here's why. Because I often wonder, am I doing this right? Am, am I up for this? How, how, am I, how am I doing? And what, what am I doing here? And, and here's where I find comfort. Is I can go to the Lord and say, Lord, to the best of my ability, I'm seeking to be faithful to you. And, and I invite friends and my wife and others to speak into my life 
If they see any unfaithfulness, I can say, Lord God, to the best of my ability, I am seeking and I, I, am, I am being faithful to you. Therefore, I put the outcome in your hands. And, and that alleviates so much anxiety for me. Because here's what I'm free to do. I'm free to honor God and do what I'm responsible for, but I trust God with the outcome. Because, because he gives us and judges us faithful, we can have confidence that, that he's going to do his will. And one of the things he will do as a part of his will, and, and what he did with the apostle here, you see, he says he appoints us to his service. He puts us right where he wants us. Listen, if you're trusting in the strength of God, and, and you're being faithful to God, he's going to put you right where he wants you. And, and friends, you need to understand that may not be right now where you think you want to be. Next week, I'm going to be studying the life and theology of, of, of Augustine in a doctoral course. And, and the thing that's interesting to me about Augustine is, is here's this man from North Africa who didn't want Jesus, but, but Jesus came and took him and blessed him and broke him and gave him to, to the service of his kingdom. And then later, he didn't want influence. He didn't want leadership. He just wanted to be a quiet servant. But, but God appointed him to be a great leader. And we still study his writings 1,600 years later. As a matter of fact, his, his influential book, which I highly recommend, The City of God, was the foundational source other than scripture for our, our entire series last year on the kingdom of God. This, this man was used by God to defend our faith and defends it still today from, from heresies that keep arising. It's not something he sought. But see, as he, trust, as he trusted in the strength of God and he was faithful to God, God appointed him and put him right where he wanted him. And that, that's what God does. When we're living a Christ-centered, gospel-powered life, we become a vessel of God. We become a pure vessel of God and we're not empty. We are filled with the presence of God and it changes who we are. It changes the way we see ourselves, the way we see others because we have peace with God, peace with others and peace within. Does that describe you? Do you, do you, have, this, do you have this confidence that's humble? See, it's a, it, it's a humble confidence. We're confidently humble because here's what we know. What the apostle knew, I mean, look at verse 12. Look, look at how he describes himself here. You know, he's not saying, look at my resume. Look how smart I am. Look where I got my degrees. What's he saying? He's saying, I, in verse 13, rather, I, I, he says, I, I'm not all that. I, as a matter of fact, I don't deserve this. I deserve something else. But instead, look what God gave him. But I received, look at verse 13. What did he receive? Say it out loud with me. But I received mercy. What's mercy? I'm going to put it on the screen for you. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. We deserve judgment. We deserve consequence. Why don't we get what we deserve? Because Jesus took what we deserved. When he died on the cross, he took our punishment. He took our death. And now he's been raised and now he gives us mercy. And when we're trusting in him, we become these new vessels who are filled with him and our life is different. Secondly, a Christ-centered, gospel-powered life is overwhelmingly graceful. We are full. 
We are full. We are full of Christ. We are full of his life. We are full of who he is. But look what happens. And you might want to underline this very important word in verse 14. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me. Not only are we full of Christ, Christ alive in us through the power of the Holy Spirit, not only graceful, but we're overflowing with grace. And the grace of our Lord overflowed with me. But notice, look what, what overflows. It's not grace out of us. Look what comes out of us. It overflows. The grace overflows with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So look what happens. Once we are a new vessel filled with the Holy Spirit of God, filled with God, God doesn't give up. It's not, it's not, he's not finished yet. What does he do? We overflow. He keeps pouring grace and pouring grace. And so we're overflowing. And as it overflows, it doesn't overflow from us as grace. It overflows from us as faith and love. So full of Christ, overflowing with grace, with faith and love. And that faith and that love impacts other people. I think about it, my dear friend Moses there in India, his faith overflows all the way to us in the States. I heard from him this week. I got a correspondence. I'm going to put it on the screen and share it with you. Again, a record of his faith. Hello, Pastor Jason. Greetings in Jesus' name. On 25th Christmas Day, about more than 25 house church leaders were arrested and sent to jail by police. Now police are checking the phones of house leaders and photos of worship, baptism, and preaching times. If they find this kind of photo, they use it as a, as a witness of conversion and arrest them. Please pray for some brothers. Those who are arrested are my friends. He shares this believing that it's worth it. He shares this in the hope that those who have been arrested, who are clean vessels, who the grace is pouring into them, that their faith and love will pour out into those who've arrested them. He, he's praying that, that their faith will be strengthened as the, their churches are gathering today, hidden, because the authorities, in the defiance of the authorities, do not want the gospel spreading there now. And, and yet it, it does, because that's what faith does. As those who are vessels of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, as grace is pouring out, faith pours out, and so does love. I was thinking about love and Moses in this text, and I was mindful of a man there in India that Moses had trained and led to the Lord, who was a pastor in a village. And that village, once Hindu, had become radically uh, Christianized and so many had been saved and baptized. Radical transformation taking place. And, and he had gone away, uh, but while he was away, um, there were those who didn't believe, who thought he was at home one night and they barred the doors and they, they put objects in front of all the doors and windows so whoever was inside could not escape. And they burned it to the ground, hoping to kill everyone who was in there. When that leader who was actually away being trained by one of our missionary teams came home, he saw what had happened. He contacted the guys and his first words were, let's pray for those who burned my house down and tried to kill me. His first response was love. 
Friends, what if you go home today and you see that your doors and windows have been barred shut and situated in such a way that whoever was in there could not get out and was burned to the ground hoping that everyone in there would die? Would your first response be love? Would it be anger and wrath? But what happens when you really are believing the gospel and it's pouring out? Friends, you got to understand whatever's in you is going to come out of you when you get bumped. If you're filled with the grace of Jesus, when you get bumped, faith and love comes out. Husbands, when you get angry with your wife, what comes out? Wives, when you get angry with your husbands, what comes out? Parents, friends, co-workers, curse words, shouting, anxiety. Whatever's in you comes out when you get bumped. What's in you? Is it confident humility? Is it, is it this grace full that, that when poured out, pours out love and faith? Third quality. A Christ-centered, gospel-powered life is convictionally clear. Convictionally clear. Verse 15 is, is, is quite an affirmation of the statement he's about to make. This, this long-held conviction of the Christian faith. Verse 15, this saying is trustworthy and deserving full acceptance. How, how about that? What is it? Jesus Christ came in the world to save sinners. And in his belief, he was the foremost but what did he receive? Look at verse 16. It's that word again. Say it out loud with me. But I received mercy. See, God gives mercy. And for those who receive this mercy, there's this conviction. There's this belief. He saved sinners. I'm a sinner. I may be the worst sinner that ever lived. But he gives mercy. And that mercy is now an example to others to believe in him for eternal life. See, when we're absolutely convinced of something, we can't help but share it. When we know that we know something, we're convinced. And some of you here today, you, you need to understand, you have a gospel. There's something you believe is true and good, and you're basing your life on it, and you can't help but share it. And when you get bumped, and, and when, when you're just sharing, that, that's what comes out of you. What is your gospel? See, some of you, some of you believe in the gospel of, of economic prosperity. What do I mean by that? I'm not saying economics and prosperity is bad. I'm not saying that at all. But here's what some of you believe. As long as I've got money and upward mobility, I'm safe. I'm saved. I'm good. Everything else is secondary. As long as my children have economic prosperity and, and, and upward mobility, that's good. Everything else is, is fine and well, but that's what matters most. Mom and dad, is that what you're teaching your kids? Friends, is that what you believe? That's a terrible, terrible gospel because what happens when you lose that? See, some of you, I don't have this temptation, but some of you do because you're good looking. 
Some of you believe in the gospel of good looks. And you think as long as I'm, you're good looking, as long as you're desirable, everything's okay. I'm going to tell you something right now. Gravity works. <laughs> and, and that's a terrible gospel because you're going to lose it. Oh, friends, be so careful what you're telling yourselves and other people. As long as I look okay, as long as I'm, I'm pretty, as long as I'm, I'm handsome, as long as I'm desirable, then I have meaning. Now I have purpose. Now my life matters. Maybe it's just the four idols we talk about, power, pleasure, popularity, positions. You know, as long as I've got these things, that's my gospel. Please understand, whatever your gospel is, it drives everything about you. And what the gospel of Jesus does is it, is it fills us with God. It, grace pours into us and then that, that's what pours out. Friends, what is your gospel? I shared this with you last week. I want to share it with you again. How can you define your gospel? It's the main thing. Now, please understand, it's the main thing, not the only thing that gives you hope, purpose, and meaning. It's the main thing, not the only thing that defines your life and how you spend your time your energy, and your money. It's the main thing, not the only thing that you talk about and share with others because it matters most to you. It's the main thing, not the only thing you build your relationships on and find your comfort and encouragement in. Friends, these are not necessarily bad things, but they're not God and they won't last. All other gospels fail sooner or later. Jesus Christ never fails. And so as you are living this life as a vessel, there are other people that are in your life. And here's what's supposed to happen. As you are a new vessel in Christ filled with the presence of God, grace pouring out into you, overpouring in, into faith and love, sooner or later there's going to be someone who says, you know what? I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. I want the original. And it gets messy, amen? And it starts pouring out of them. This is the Christian life. This is Christianity. It's love and faith pouring out of lives that are Christ-centered and gospel-powered. It's lives that are humbly confident. It's lives that are overwhelmingly graceful. And lives that are Christ-centered, gospel-powered, convictionally clear. Please hear me today. You believe something. You believe a gospel. And I'll say it again. The gospel you believe determines the life that you live. Friends, what kind of life are you living? Do you have these characteristics? Is it what comes out of you when you get bumped? Is it the hallmark of your existence? If not, you need to be saved. And if you are saved, you need to be renewed in your commitment to the one true gospel and to reject and repent of those false gospels. Let's stand together as we pray. Father God, we can't help but know that, that in this place there are some who, who've never experienced your gospel. 
maybe they've heard about it, maybe they've, they've been in church, and, and maybe they're, they're really good people, but, but the reality is, Lord God, until we repent and believe the gospel, we will never have peace with you, peace within, and peace with others. And so I pray today that some will, will come and receive this glorious gift. Care leaders, if you would, please come forward. And, and I pray, God, that they'll come and talk with one of these leaders as we sing or after the service. And Father, I also, I pray for those of us who do believe and who are constantly being tempted to believe a false gospel that today we would acknowledge that. We may, we may even need to speak to that directly to you on our knees here and just say, Lord, I am being tempted with this news of, of fill in the blank, football, uh, economics, Lord, we're tempted in so many ways. You know, help us. Help us right now to repent of trusting in anything other than you to define us and to be our hope and renew us as we turn our eyes to you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen. 